Welcome to Opportunité Africa, Unpacking the Continent. Transfer pricing and base erosion profit shifting continues to be front of mind. Um, on the 20th of January 2022, the OECD released the new and updated guidelines on the subject, a revision to those released in 2017. As you're aware, I covered this topic with your colleague, Keelan, back in September 2020, so I think it's a great opportunity to revisit the subject and have you on, join us on the podcast and to give us an update on the changes that have occurred since then. So welcome. Wonderful. Thanks for the kind welcome. It's very nice to be here and I'm excited to talk to you about transfer pricing in Africa and all that's been going on in that space since you last had a chat about it. Great, Benkabini. So, I mean, I think again, for the benefit of the listeners, let's start off again with a little bit of a brief background to Regan Van Roy and specifically your 15 years of transfer pricing experience uh, up to your current role of heading up the Regan Van Roy transfer pricing team. Sure. It's been an interesting journey for me. So I'm Cabrini McCarrick, as you mentioned, and I'm currently the lead transfer pricing partner at Regan Van Roy. I started my career as a lawyer and then cross-qualified as a chartered accountant and began in transfer pricing back uh, probably more years ago than I'd care to remember in Deloitte in London. Um, worked there with many European and multinationals. And then I was asked to to go on a secondment to Johannesburg. Um, South Africa drew me into its net and I remained in South Africa for many years, working also there with the Deloitte team in transfer pricing. And my main role was um, to build up the various transfer pricing teams across Deloitte Africa. So as there was a new space of legislation popping up in Africa, we did have a bit of a skills shortage, which probably remains to this day. And my job was to work with the tax authorities and clients and the local teams there to, 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 to build out the TP capabilities. So it's been an interesting journey. It's led me to Regan Van Roy, where we focus on transfer pricing and international tax and all things Africa when it comes to international tax. Great, man. Um, Cabrini, uh, back in 2020, um, Africa was certainly awakening to the concept of transfer pricing um, with legislation uh, being put in place. Um, so they're definitely not new concepts uh, as of today. But maybe it would be good if you can give us a little bit of a background to how transfer pricing and specifically base erosion and profit shifting has, has evolved uh, since its inception in 2017 and more recently, um, yeah, in terms of the concept. Yeah, so look, off the back of the base erosion and profit shifting project and all the work that the OECD has been doing, a new wave of legislation was implemented globally. So we generally say the principles have always been there, but now they've been formalized into legislation and the tax authorities are focusing on getting up to speed with what corporates should be doing, how they should enforce transfer pricing locally. So the tax authorities in Africa have been working with various bodies like the OECD and the Africa Tax Administration Forum to get their internal resources upskilled so that they can um, basically enforce transfer pricing. 
So it's not that there's anything new in particular. It's rather that energies have been shifted into um, ensuring transfer pricing principles are being complied with by multinationals in Africa. Yeah, so I mean, Kabini, again, you know, not uh, it's 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 not a new concept, but um, I think uh, I think it would be good maybe if you can maybe touch on some some of the central themes uh, around um, the, the, the transfer pricing concept, uh, and maybe just on some of the concepts, uh, trends, and maybe specifically, you know, what exactly is transfer pricing, the arm's length principle, benchmarks, benchmarking, and also the requirement for policy documentation. Yep. So, so many things to cover, but essentially transfer pricing is quite simple in, in terms of concept. So transfer pricing, we see it as it's a bit of a tug of war between tax authorities. It's essentially, each um, jurisdiction is trying to ensure that they're getting the appropriate share of the tax base. And the multinationals are not eroding that by artificially shifting pro- profits. So how does that impact? So if you're in a group and you operate, have transactions with related parties, the main principle is that you need to treat those transactions and the pricing of those transactions as if you are an independent party. They say independent parties are each fighting for the, you know, the right price and the right profit. So naturally through that, you're going to see profit falling in the right jurisdiction. And transfer pricing essentially um, makes sure that groups who have an international presence, and in some case in Africa, we also have domestic transfer pricing, which adds an additional layer of complexity. But generally speaking, it's cross-border transactions. Now, what the new legislation has brought about in Africa is that you can't just say it's arm's length. Now, each business has the tax obligation to actually prove the arm's length nature of how they transact. And that's what everyone is talking about and worrying about is is this stuff called transfer pricing documentation. And transfer pricing documentation is, is essentially three types of documentation that you now need for compliance. One is a local file, which contains um specific legal entity information you know how what are the transactions who does what with respect to that transaction how is that transaction priced and then of course this thing we called benchmarking studies but this is essentially independent data which you you compare against your related party data to prove or endeavor to prove that your transactions are arm's length And all of this documentation has to be prepared annually and in some cases submitted annually to the tax authorities. In addition to that, what's called the local file, Brendan, I don't know if if all of it's making sense so far, but in addition to the local entity file, you also have to prepare what's called a master file. And this is basically a group file that summarizes the group. So that's not just your local African jurisdiction, but the whole group, wherever it may be. What are the what's the group value chain? What's the group transactions? What's the group um, policies and and all of that? And thirdly, there's another layer which is called country by country reporting and This is for very large multinationals who have consolidated revenue of 750 million euros per annum. But that's another layer of information that's submitted to the tax authorities and indeed shared between the tax authorities, which looks at all of the group's financial data, things like headcount, 
things like um, the value of related party transactions. So essentially, you've got these three layers of documentation that all the OECD countries and the majority of the countries in Africa have signed up to. And now, of course, you have all of these companies saying, I have to do all of this additional stuff now. How am I going to do it? Do I have the resources to do it? And, you know, what's it going to look like when I actually submit this to the tax authorities? Do I have the the premise in place to actually support transfer pricing policies? Or do I need to relook at how I'm doing business or pricing? So a lot of things happening there and what African companies are focusing on is trying to assess what they're currently doing from a transfer pricing perspective, identify any gaps they have, and try to prepare the requisite documentation, which will give them a defendable position when it comes to transfer pricing to the given tax authority. So, Cabrini, I mean, that's interesting, but I mean, one thing sort of sticks out for me uh, on which you touched on, uh, and I think we're all familiar with you know, the cases, particularly in the EU, in respect of Apple um, using offshore jurisdictions uh, to house income. So my question is, um, you know, having these policies um, and, and and also the complexities, particularly around benchmarking, um, you know, which is not really readily available as it is in the EU um, or the UK, for argument's sake, is uh, from an African perspective, um, Exactly, you know, what if, if you've put all this policy in, how are the African tax authorities been gearing up to be able to understand the complexities around group uh, reporting, et cetera? Um, are there the skills in country to be able to deal with that on an African context? Yeah, good question. And there's a, there's a lot of things happening in this space. So the tax authorities in various budgets every year and in their actions have said, we're going to put our money where where our mouth is. So they're investing in um, resources and data analytics. So how do you determine if there's a transfer pricing risk? You have to look at data and you have to be able to analyze this data. So they know essentially who to audit. So they are investing both in their, their, their human capabilities as well as their data analytics. And they're also working with skilled bodies like the African Tax Administration Forum, like the OECD, and also indeed with other tax, more experienced tax jurisdictions like the Scandinavian tax authorities. So they're focusing on, 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 on improving and enhancing those skills in-house. I mean, one example is in South Africa recently, they've taken in or in the process of taking in new legislation around what's called advanced pricing agreements. And the tax authorities have self-admitted that their biggest problem is technical capabilities, um, but they're further investing in those technical capabilities because they believe in South Africa and wider, the transfer pricing um, currently is inappropriate in the African context. And what does that mean? They think it's worthwhile investing in this area because they believe if transfer pricing principles are adhered to correctly, the local tax base is going to increase and improve. But what I will say, lack of skills um, is a work in progress, but it does make matters more difficult. 
Yeah. Okay, so um, we've basically covered the concepts, we've covered some of the principles. Uh, we're obviously aware that it is a global concern um, and that there's certainly more people getting involved in it. But, um, you know, if, if you look at a, a small business that's establishing itself, uh, you know, with a with a footprint potentially in Mauritius and is looking to um, sort of do some transfer pricing exercise, you know, I think this all screams cost. Um, so, you know, who, I mean, are, are there, you know, is, is there sort of a benchmark as to what size you should be um, to consider issues like transfer pricing and put the documentation in? You know, who, who is the audience or is it is it basically it, it covers and spans each company doing business in Africa? So another good question, Brendan. There are in certain jurisdictions thresholds for which the detailed um, documentation compliance obligations uh, apply to so um, and they vary from African jurisdiction to Africa jurisdiction um, in South Africa for example it's a hundred million um, rand per annum in related party transactions which requires a very onerous amount of documentation and for lower value transactions you can essentially get away with a lower level of work so you do have to um, the amount of work, because you're right, it does scream cost. The amount of work that you need in terms of your documentation depends on how complicated your business is. Some people have one transaction, others have 10 complicated transactions. But it also depends on in-country in local thresholds. You know, um, in Botswana, for example, there's a 5 million pull threshold. Each country has different transactions. And they've thresholds and they've designed those thresholds based on their local economies and where they consider highest risk. So for example, in Malawi, when they look at documentation and transfer pricing, they've focused in particular on their export market because that's what they consider a high value related party transaction. So basically it's not a simple answer to your question, but there is different variances in different countries um, which means you have more or less work to do. And most um, sensible companies um, try to figure out what their risk is first. So what's the cost versus benefit for my particular business? And the smaller your business is, the lower level of compliance obligation that you have. But I think what's key for growing businesses is that it's important to set up the right framework and TP model because it has potential not just to be a compliance obligation, of course, but to actually set up a model that optimizes your international structure. If you can do that from the outset, you have a much stronger position on a go-forward basis as your business grows. What, what's, what's probably not a good idea to do is to ignore transfer pricing until you're big enough because at that point, you're stuck with how you did business that may not be the best for your business, and it mightn't comply with general principles. Yeah, I guess pretty sage advice. Um, obviously, if, if, if we look at just two offshore financial centers, Mauritius and Singapore, um, you know, who are both positioning themselves as conduits into Africa, um, 
you know, and you've touched on three countries, South Africa, which I think has a degree of sophistication when it comes to tax, uh, to Malawi, to Botswana. But if people are, are, are looking at business in Africa, I mean, are there any particular countries who are further advanced? Um, and I understand there's a lot of thresholds involved, but, you know, who are perhaps, perhaps a, a, a lot far up the value chain in terms of applying transfer pricing principles and policing them that people should be aware of? Well, it's a good question because what we're seeing is where we're seeing disputes, right? Transfer pricing disputes is where we're most worried about. So the countries that we mentioned, a lot of disputes, South Africa, but we also have countries like Kenya and Nigeria who have very advanced transfer pricing rules. Tanzania are very aggressive when it comes to transfer pricing. Zambia as well. Places like the Congo, Ghana, um, Senegal, we're now starting to see pop up in terms of disputes. The Ivory Coast has taken in um, relatively new rules as well. Um, so essentially across Africa, the only countries offhand I can think of who don't have documentation requirements, I think is Lesotho and Namibia. The rest of the African countries generally have requirements these days. Um, and, you know, who's more advanced Sometimes advanced is not the worry. Sometimes it's where they're where they're actively challenging it, um, because it mightn't be that they know what they're doing technically, or I might get in trouble for that. But it mightn't be that they're technically advanced, but they have recognised that the, that there is revenue that can be brought back in country through challenging transfer pricing, and that that revenue can be quite. Um, significant. So uh, they're focusing on that uh, on that area because they think that there's money to be gotten from it. I would say countries like Zambia and Tanzania and Ghana are, you know, we're always seeing disputes in those regions. Uganda as well. South Africa, obviously, is is there's a, there's a lot of disputes there, and and often it's. Do you operate within a multinational group and do you have a high value transaction with uh, with a group entity outside of the Africa jurisdiction or outside of the jurisdiction in which you operate? If so, there's enough value in that. So if all of your business is to sell consumer goods or to buy consumer goods and sell it, the value of the transactions are innately high. So it's worth having a look at. Mm. So a couple of things spring out to me there, um, and maybe a couple of questions for you, but definitely there's a focus definitely on on the countries that, that have extractive industries, which which would make a lot of sense. So just two questions. First of all, um, is there any difference between uh, an English common law jurisdiction and a, a, a Francophone jurisdiction, um, which is governed under a harder? Uh, I understand the concept might be the same, but in terms of the interpretation of transfer pricing laws? So I think the one thing about transfer pricing is, and this is why you'll you'll generally find a transfer pricing team is made up of loads of different nationalities. The rules are broadly similar and the concepts and the ways of um, evidencing your transfer pricing are broadly similar on a global basis. Now, in each particular local jurisdiction, you may have certain nuances on it. For example, certain countries... Um, have domestic transactions that need to be covered. Francophone countries, for example, you need to prepare your documentation in French. 
Um, Malawi, for example, has preferences for certain methodologies. Zimbabwe has a cap on management fees earned. So broadly speaking, the principles are all the same, but there are specific nuances relating to the country in question. Yeah. It just depends. Okay. All right. That makes it even more complex. And then my second question, you, you alluded to it in terms of disputes uh, and you referenced South Africa, but maybe you can put into context just you know, um, if someone does transgress in respect of transfer pricing, not having the correct policies, or is challenged by revenue authorities, you know, what what sort of what sort of um, uh, resolution can one sort of see, or what penalties might be um, enforced by a revenue authority for someone that isn't adhering to transfer pricing of a jurisdiction? Okay, so there's there's the basic non-compliance penalties. So if you don't comply or prepare your documentation, you have um, penalties on that. But they're not the high value ones. The high value ones are in the term when there's an actual transfer pricing adjustment. So a transfer pricing adjustment, and I, I'm going to try to simplify this. Let's say that I am part of a group and I buy all of my products, consumer goods or something from a related party, and I sell that into the business. Now, say I earn uh, an operating profit of 1% in South Africa. Now, how do I support that that's arm's length? I go to a benchmark and say this benchmark says an independent distributor would get an operating margin of 4%. My exposure is that the that the tax authority will want to change my operating profit from 1% to 4%. So huge numbers, that's what you call a transfer pricing adjustment. So adjusting the price to an arm's length price. So we've seen though uh, transfer pricing adjustments in hundreds of millions and indeed billions of rand when you then include secondary adjustments and penalties on top of that. And penalties in transfer pricing are typically between 100 to 200% of the value of the adjustment. So we're talking big numbers here, and it's not there isn't one number that you can pull out of the air because it depends on the value of your transaction and the value of that compared to an arm's length value and then the penalties on top of it. But what I can say is um, for the big ones that the African tax authorities are charging now, they're looking at hundreds of hundreds of millions of rand. And that's because you're not looking at one year. You're looking at all open periods. So that can be between four to six year. If I can't support the pricing that I did in those years, the tax authority can make an adjustment, throw all their penalties on top of it. So you get into big numbers that way. What I'd say, Brendan, in addition to that, it's the level of time and energy and resources it takes the local tax team to deal with um, a transfer pricing dispute because the it's, it's about the tax authority will look for all sorts of information, not just about the local entity, but about the overseas entity in which the entity transacts with. So it's often can be six months or one year of information, processing of information, providing historic information, and also interviewing people within the business. So tax team wise, I mean, I've worked with a number of tax team who for the last year and a half have spent maybe 90% of their time on a transfer pricing dispute. Of course, they, um, 
you know, they could be spending time on much more higher value added activities. So there's so there's that to think about as well, as well as the value of it. It's that it's it's, it's usually time consuming and it generally encompasses the business on a wider level and not just the tax team itself. Yeah, so I mean, there's no doubt that uh, an investigation and the and the resulting penalties are massively punitive. Um, so, so maybe it's a it's a good question, and of course, we've had a, a very short period of time to cover an extremely complex topic. But you know, in in your view as a transfer pricing expert, perhaps uh, you know, if if you were a, country, a company now setting up and looking um, to do intergroup transactions, let's say for argument's sake, onto the African continent. Maybe at a high level overview, what do you think a company should do in order to address the issue of transfer pricing and ensure they get it right from the start? So, you know, the, the first thing they need to do is understand a little bit about transfer pricing. So, you know, speak with a specialist or what, whatever needs to be done to identify what transactions are likely going to be in place. So you need to design the appropriate model from the start. So. The problem is that people often don't identify certain transactions. And one of them is around, let's say, IP. Where is your IP developed and who's going to end up paying for your IP? So complicated things like that. You need to, to, to spend a bit of time understanding what your transactions might be, understanding what arm's length looks like in the context of those transactions. And some transactions are much simpler than others. So that you at least have a basic framework in place. So that would work as your business expands in a kind of a fruitful way. Um, I think, yeah, the first thing is to say that transfer pricing is something that no business in Africa with an international uh, transactions can ignore. And it's understanding what that is and then trying to manage your compliance requirements on a go forward basis. But you definitely need to get a bit of a framework in place. You have to have a policy. You have to have some type of a document in place and understand what that means for your business. And it's often upskilling your own people because transfer pricing is not just, you know, a report that sits on a shelf. It's actually ingrained into your business. You know, if a transaction, whatever transaction pops up on a day to day basis, have they considered its related party and they need to think about the pricing of it? So it's those type of things. It's, it's really yeah. the, the first thing is trying to get a basic understanding of transfer pricing and yeah. transactions. Okay, that's um, that's sage advice again. So, uh, Cabrini, yeah, I mean, just just in summary, as far as I'm concerned, my key takeaways were, you know, transfer pricing, base erosion, and profit shifting. The concepts are are universal, and more importantly, I think they're here to stay. Um, and and I think uh, again, more importantly, is that. All countries, including those on the continent, the African continent, are certainly becoming more aware and enforcing those policies um, or their domestic policies. And that, uh, you know, if you get it wrong, um, not only the cost of the fines, but also the time it takes to defend a dispute is certainly going to be punitive and and uh, extremely detrimental to a business. So um, those are my key takeaways. Um, so, Cabrini, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, I'm sure there's uh, we'll, we'll contact you again um, maybe to expand further on the topic of transport pricing going forward. Thank you, Brendan. Real pleasure talking to you. And I think you, you that's definitely summarised it better than I even said it myself. So that's a perfect way to conclude. 